You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome to History Happy Hour, a special series from History Uncovered. It's the end of May 2023, and we've handpicked a few of our favorite history stories from this month. Today, we'll be talking about... The 98-year-old Frenchman who revealed the secret massacre of German POWs during World War II. The 7,000-year-old tomb discovered by archaeologists in Oman. How an Italian historian claims to have identified a bridge in the Mona Lisa. The Stone Age dagger discovered by an 8-year-old in Norway. Why severed hands may have have been seen as spoils of war in ancient Egypt, as well as a number of historical anniversaries, including the first reported Loch Ness monster sighting, the opening of the Brooklyn Bridge, and the first men to scale Mount Everest. I'm All It's Interesting staff writer Kalina Fraga. And I'm All It's Interesting staff writer Austin Harvey. And welcome to History Happy Hour. Let's dig into some of our news stories from the past month. Um, the first one is not super happy, I suppose, but it is interesting. Yeah, I, that's how it, a, lot, a lot of it goes with, when yeah. we do this. We're like, yeah, yeah, welcome to History Happy Hour. Here's some tragedy. <laughs> your daily, your monthly dose of tragedy. Monthly dose of tragedy. Buckle in. Um, yeah. yeah, this is about this guy in France who's 98. Um, his name is Edmund Crevet. And he has revealed that during World War II, when he was 18, he and other French members of the French resistance uh, executed a bunch of POWs and then never spoke about it for the next 75 years. Yeah. So, yeah, it's that's great. I mean, it makes you think like how many other things are like that. And yeah, just things that went unspoken for so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, had he not said anything, we it just would have stayed that way. Right. And that, that's why he spoke because he's 98 and everyone else has died. He's the last witness. Right. So. He first talked about it in 2019 at like a veterans meeting and then nothing really happened because COVID hit. People got distracted. But then he came forward recently and spoke to the media and was like, this is the story. This is what happened. And this is where like they're buried. And one of the interesting things was that they actually there was like a dig at the site in the 60s and they found the bodies. And then for like reasons unknown, the dig like stopped and was sort oh. of like hushed up a little. But now they're going to return to the site and uh, and look again. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so it was forty. I guess it was forty-eight people, and they only found eleven in the sixties. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, that's so weird. That's uh, yeah. I can't imagine what would have like compelled them to stop looking for them. Yeah, I imagine in the sixties, some of the tension between Germany and France might have still been pretty fresh. Right. So maybe that wasn't something they wanted to engage with at the time, or maybe yeah, it didn't never want passed. To, like, poke the bear. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of unclear. If this passed like beyond the local level, this discovery, it was very, very, very murky. So I don't hmm. know, but they're on better terms now. And now they're yeah. going to work together to to try yeah. to find these bodies and, and bring them, bring them home. So, oh, yeah. well, that's good. At least that's something. Yeah, that's something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess our next story also has to do with bodies, but sort of like in a different way. 
Yeah, it's far enough back that like it kind of stops being sad. Although we don't know. I mean, it seems this is this tomb in Oman that's 7,000 years old. It's, it's It seems these people were laid to rest and not like massacred, but right, yeah. it was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I who mean, knows? yeah, it's a Neolithic gravesite, so it's, yeah, when you said 7,000 years old, so yeah, it dates back to 5,000 to 4,600 BCE. That's um, crazy. They said it had at least several dozen people inside of it, all like specifically arranged Mm -hmm. um with their heads towards the outer edges of it yeah it's wild i think it's really unique for the area too yeah yeah they haven't found something like this before i they found it from satellite images which i think is interesting it's like looking at the desert they're like there's something there let's go check it out yeah they also found nearby engravings of like animals and some some old script which they haven't interpreted yet but that's also, it's also, I don't know, it's this idea that people lived that long ago and had these societies and stuff is is really fascinating. Yeah, I'm always so interested because obviously there was no like written word that passed down. So a lot of when they find stuff like this is up to so much interpretation of like, why were they buried in such and such a manner? Or what does this marking indicate? Mm-hmm. And you can kind of start to piece together like an idea of what these people's lives were like. But it's all speculation. Like, we'll never really know. Yeah, it's lost the time, most of it. Yeah. But I think it's such a it's yeah, it's so cool to like hypothesize and to like and like every time because we talk about like these sorts of discoveries a lot like, whoa, this really old thing was found somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but every time it happens, it sort of paints a wider and wider picture mm-hmm. of life in like prehistoric times. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so interesting too, like how people on polar opposite ends of the world still had like similar customs a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that they would have never interacted with each other. Yeah, it is interesting. Each discovery gets you a bit closer. Although sometimes it just kind of repaints what you thought you knew and then... Right. Yeah. But that's pretty cool. Speaking of repainting. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, this historian in Italy has claimed that he's identified the bridge in the Mona Lisa, which has been identified or like guessed about before about where it is but he took a look at it and his idea is that it's this bridge that's sort of like in ruins now but the the one arch that's there if you like copy it three times it'd be four arches and that's what appears in the painting and the other bridges that have said that they're the bridge are have more arches so that seems like maybe more likely i see yeah yeah i'm looking at the pictures now yeah i totally can see that yeah um huh. it's it's been documented that da vinci like traveled in this area there's also cliffs by the bridge that he says are the same as the cliffs in the painting in his opinion but since other like towns nearby have claimed the bridge as their own there's a bit of like friendly rivalry about like where the bridge <laughs> actually is and the town he identified was like, yes, like it's it's we're the one with the real bridge now. So oh, that's so funny. That's such yeah. a like such an innocuous thing to be yeah. like. <laughs> like we're the Da Vinci Bridge place, not you guys. It's ours. Yeah. Well, some official was like, well, this other town has a poster up. I guess we'll get a poster like of our own. Yeah. That we have the bridge. It's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, hey, if that's you know, if that's what your town is, that's what your town is. It's like roswell new mexico no one cared about Mm. roswell until the alien thinks and now there's like a ton of ufo like restaurants and right they leaned into it right yeah because it's like hey you know you want people to visit your town 
the extra cash yeah. flow is, is nice. <laughs> right, exactly. So go see the real so, Mona Lisa Bridge. Yeah. And then, oh my God, I, I can see it now too. Just like the, the influx of selfies and stuff posted online of people like positioning God. themselves with the bridge in the yeah. background. The, the I'm going to coin it now. It's the Mona Lisa challenge. Oh boy. Yeah. And if I mean, this, the funny if thing this is blows like, up, I'm taking credit. <laughs> the painting itself, you can hardly see the bridge. Like when I was like, there's a, when I was writing this, I was like, oh, there's a bridge in the Mona Lisa. I didn't know. And then if you look at the painting, it's so thought. small. Yeah. Yeah. It's tiny. You'd be like, oh, there it is back in the distance. So yeah. you could do that selfie challenge, but it, the bridge is going to be like very, very far behind you. <laughs> and also just right. not complete. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Yes. But I guess, I mean, I guess doing that, you could figure out where, like, he set up to paint the Mona Lisa as well. I guess so. I mean, I'm not sure if he painted it, like, at the site or what. But, yeah, like, where he, like, stood or how he looked yeah. at it. Yeah, because you could find the angle and, like, the positioning. Mm -hmm. That'd be kind of interesting, too. I'd, that's what I would, I, I don't know if that's what this guy did or if he just kind of, like, looked at it. Um, I would be interested to see, like, if somebody could figure out where da vinci stood or like you know got the angle for everything it's kind of neat yeah yeah i don't know i know he used like drones to kind of get different angles of the bridge so hmm. yeah i thought for a second i thought you meant da vinci and i was oh, like no. <laughs> he was way I ahead had, of his time you know so <laughs> <laughs> i was like look i know he invented stuff but you can't tell me you can't just throw that in at the end but then i was like wait right yeah sorry the other guy <laughs> the other guy yes the historian the other guy the <laughs> In modern times, he used the drones. Da Vinci did not have drones. That would be a big breaking news, yeah. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places. Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan. But nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Yeah, no, this one, uh, I, I wrote this one, so this I, is kind of fresh in my memory still. But this was really cool. This little girl in Norway was just like playing outside of her school and found what she thought was like a really neat looking rock and was like, hey, look at this rock I found and then her teacher was like someone looks off about that and it turned <laughs> out to be this ancient stone dagger oh, wow. from like the tail end of the stone age getting into the iron age mm. um, but it's not a like a dagger that would have been used for stabbing or hunting or anything it was like more of a ritualistic kind of mm. trophy dagger oh interesting huh which was apparently very common at that point in time um a lot of people did that with like this one was carved out of stone but like early iron workers were doing it i think out of bronze hmm. because bronze wasn't you wouldn't have used bronze like they had iron iron was the metal they used for tools and stuff bronze would have been a little bit more like fragile uh, decorative so yeah they had a lot it was like a big thing that you would make somebody a stone probably is like a grave 
mm. like a thing to accompany them in the afterlife. Yeah. Oh wow, that's pretty yeah. interesting. It's a. Uh, I feel like this happens in in Europe fairly often, but like in Israel a lot that someone's gonna stum- stumbles on one of these like incredible yeah. finds, and then you you turn it you know to turn it into like the government or whatever agency needs to right. look at it. But well, yeah. the interesting thing too about this because it was in Norway. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they theorized that the dagger might have actually been created in Denmark hmm. and then come across the sea to Norway at some point. Oh, wow. So it wasn't even like a Norwegian thing at the time because they, they have historical evidence of that happening in Denmark and other regions, not so much in Norway. Hmm. That was really interesting. Yeah. Huh. Little piece of the past. Literally. This is another one of your articles, but it's about it's kind of a, a grisly but fascinating topic about how Egyptians might have used severed hands as like war trophies. Yeah, I like this one. This one had so much more to it than I expected because um, there were like a lot of theories bouncing around about they found this cache mm-hmm. of of hands buried um, in an ancient tomb. Weird. Very weird. And some people were like thinking that maybe they had cut them off of prisoners as a form of torture. But the uh, people who found them after doing an analysis were like, no way. The cuts are way too clean. These were definitely taken post-mortem hmm. because otherwise, like a person flailing would have, you wouldn't be able to get this sort of a clean cut. Oh. And so, yeah, they think that it might have been that um, like after battles, they would take the hands of fallen enemies and present them to oh, interesting. the pharaoh or to the general or to whoever was in charge um, of them at the time. And then, hmm. if I'm not mistaken, they also think this came from, yeah, it was called the Gold of Valor or the Gold of Honor was the name mm-hmm. of the ritual of taking these hands. Oh, wow. And one of the hands they said they thought was a was maybe a woman's hand? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Julia Gresky, the paleo- paleopathologist who analyzed these said that the mm-hmm. ring fingers on men tend to be longer than their index fingers, and then the opposite is usually true for women, which I didn't know that. Okay, me neither. Yeah, I'm like, so what was it? Ring fingers usually longer than the index finger. That mine is, very slightly. Is your index your, finger slightly longer than your ring finger? My ring finger? Uh, they seem to be like the same size. <laughs> yeah, mine's like, like maybe a couple centimeters. Anyway, apparently one of the hands had a longer index finger and so they think it might belong to a, a woman as well hmm. interesting yeah yeah when i first saw this article i was like oh like i don't know if you watched like game of thrones or read the books but like jamie lannister you know they cop off his hand yeah uh, as not really torture i guess but just kind of be like haha we got him yeah this was also they said it might have been a way for them just to keep track of how many enemies they killed hmm. you just look at the number of hands which i guess makes sense yeah i guess that's one way to keep count i think there was there were also some like afterlife things with that as well like if you don't have a hand oh yeah that makes sense going yeah huh wow yeah well anyway but those are those are some of our our top uh news stories for last month because may's almost over and may was also an action-packed month for historical anniversaries yeah it was yeah it was these are some of my favorite historical anniversaries we've talked about yet starting may 2nd 1933 the first known sighting of the Loch Ness monster. Yes, it's good. Um yeah, it's so the the monster was sighted uh, a couple weeks before, but it was reported on May 2nd uh by a local newspaper. 
And they said they that this couple driving along saw a monster, which was an enormous animal rolling and plunging on the surface of the lake. Dun, 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 dun. And then all these sightings followed after that, not only in the lake, but also like on land near the lake. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of anyone saying they that they saw the Loch Ness monster not in Oh the yeah. Lake. They were co- huh. I just read an article about this which is coming out next month I think. But um yeah, people like this guy on his like motorbike says he saw it. I think someone in a car also says they saw it. It's a crazy story because there were there were before this sighting there was like rumor of a monster in Loch Ness hmm. back to like the 1st century when the Romans arrived. And then there was like, even in like um, Christianity, there's like some saint who allegedly defended this guy against a water monster in Loch Ness. Yeah. So interesting. How do you feel about the Loch Ness monster? Are you a, a Nessie believer? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. But I do think it is interesting because like when the, the Romans arrived, they found all these carvings. And one, of, they were all like animal carvings, but there was one animal that they couldn't identify, and it huh. looks kind of like the Loch Ness monster from what we think it looks like. So yeah. that's interesting. I'm sure at one point in time there probably was something in the lake. Perhaps there's definitely not today <laughs> that we know of. Yeah, who I'm knows? I'm gonna go on record. This is like. <laughs> This seems like one of those things that I would believe in that I'd be like diehard. I'm like, no, the Loch Ness monster is not real. I mean, but it the is Jersey true that, Devil. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it is true that you know there's that famous photo of the Loch Ness monster, which is also a famous hoax. Yes, and that's the best yeah. evidence. So it's and that's fake. So yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, you'd think something that big. You would have noticed. You'd have noticed more. it. And you'd have noticed it. It's a lake. Yeah. I mean, hey, lakes are big. I'm not, you know. It's not a pond, Yeah, but it's not like but, that big in terms right. of like what this monster would need to survive and everything. Right. Yeah. It's not the ocean. It's not the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like I'm sort of sad that we live in this age now where we've like cameras on us all the time because it, it removes that <laughs> mystery a little bit of, oh, this thing like could exist. No one's actually documented it before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah stuff just used to be more fun. Right. I just I was just writing about um, earlier this week, the Beast of Bray Road, mm, which I don't was know that story. They also call it the Wisconsin werewolf. It was just one of those like. The first sighting was 1936, and then throughout the 80s, people kept saying they saw this werewolf-like beast on Bray Road in Wisconsin, hmm. and that like some woman wrote an entire book about it, and people were like, "Yeah, no, it like scratched up my car and like attacked me." And I just like that wasn't even that long ago, but I haven't heard any like modern day like cryptid <laughs> encounters. Right? Yeah, I guess there's the one. I can't remember if we talked about this last time or not. It's the uh, the Fresno Nightcrawler that I mentioned the yeah. last time. Yeah. No, you didn't, but I know what they are. Oh, you do? Okay. I do. I mean, that, that, that was pretty... Re- this is a cryptid that looks like a pair of pants that's, like, walking by itself. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah like, I guess that was, that was caught on, like, security camera yeah, footage, allegedly. Something, something yeah. was allegedly caught in Fresno and then at Yellowstone. Yeah. And... It, people's theories about what it could be are like don't make any sense like they're like it's a deer it's like how it doesn't it's not how <laughs> it literally looks like a walking pair of pants it really does like, watching I, the video footage you're like weird yeah it's very odd but oh what was didn't someone theorize that it might have been an umbrella am i, I am i know. right in thinking that i could i, I don't remember but i because i remember seeing someone did i don't remember if it was the fresno night call but i want to say it was um, someone took like a video of an umbrella being like kind of blown in the wind, mm-hmm. an open umbrella and the way that the little oh. pegs at the end of it, it kind of looked similar enough. Interesting. Huh? So they were like, oh, maybe it was just 
two umbrellas. <laughs> I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a, it's a mystery. So. Well, our next historical anniversary is less mysterious. Right. <laughs> it's that on May 14th, 1973, America's first space station lifted off Skylab. Yeah. Yeah. Not much else to say about it, but that's very cool. It is cool. I was doing a little bit of reading about it and it seems like there were some harrowing moments aboard Skylab during its time. I could imagine, yeah. <laughs> Things like fell apart or stopped working and the people living there had to like, I don't know, kind of scramble, yeah. which sounds really scary. Yeah, it'd be a very scary, stressful situation. Like the first kind of more permanent fixture mm -hmm. in the atmosphere. And you're like, <laughs> yes, we're testing this out. Yeah. It's like being lost at sea, only like much worse. Yeah. I mean, if something goes wrong. Right. So, right. Yeah. One of my worst nightmares, I guess. So, what being stuck stranded in space? Yeah, I think because I watched a lot of Star Trek as a kid, and so mm. this happened every now and then, and right, yeah, seems pretty awful. Yeah. Three days later, uh, Watergate trials began, or Watergate hearings, rather. Yeah, this was a dramatic time to be an American. Um, lots of information came out. About a lot of people, especially in the White House, and what they knew and what they didn't know. Um, it was funny from what I've read, like in Europe at the time, they were like, what's the big deal? Like, so he spied, whatever. Because <laughs> they thought Nixon was like kind of a good president in some yeah. ways. I think, well, I think he was other than the Watergate thing, like well-liked and whatnot. I don't think he was. I think he was pretty unpopular because of like Vietnam. And he was like hated for like other reasons. Uh, you can see Don in his career. I don't know much about Nixon. Nixon's one of my, I wouldn't say he's my favorite president, but he's one I find the most fascinating hmm. because he was, he was in politics for a long time. You know, he was a, he was a congressman, a senator, a vice president. So he had yeah. a lot of baggage. But the interesting thing about Watergate is that although he did participate in the cover up, there's actually no evidence directly tying him to like giving an order to break in. And there's like missing, there's like infamously like missing 18 minutes of tape missing from this set. Yeah. But, I don't know. There's nothing directly connecting him to it. And he was he was very disliked by a lot of people by that point in his career. So, huh. But the Europeans liked him. He was doing good stuff with like the USSR. Interesting. Cooling tensions and whatnot. So, yeah. Huh. How many was Clinton? Clinton was impeached for lying under oath, not for having an affair. Right. And, and then Andrew Johnson. Andrew Johnson. Now Donald Trump. And now Donald Trump. Twice. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but but no one's actually been kicked out of office before they've right. been impeached and then acquitted. Yeah. Yeah. And then Nixon yeah. was pardoned, wasn't he? He was. I mean, he was never impeached. He resigned from yeah, office. Right, right. And then Ford decided to pardon him, which for Ford, that was like, people were furious. But Ford thought, right. we're just going to close the door on this and Yeah, move not forward. waste any more time on it. There's other stuff to do. Yeah. There's an interesting, I'm not sure I'll get this anecdote exactly right, um, but Ford knew he was going to get all this criticism about what he was doing and so he he walked around for like the rest of his life or <clears throat> for a lot of his life with this piece of paper in his pocket that said it was a legal opinion and it said that by accepting the pardon it means that you're accepting like guilt so he oh. he was like so nixon accepted this pardon he's accepting his guilt and for right, Ford, that yeah. was like um but it you know it it made him a pretty unpopular person yeah so. i didn't even think about that but that is yeah that's kind of if, if you didn't do anything wrong, you don't need to be pardoned. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. huh. Yeah. Very, very, I mean, it's, it's a really fast, Watergate's fascinating. I think it's so confusing that it's hard to 
kind of like sink your teeth into it. But what yeah. the ramifications of it were in terms of American politics with Nixon leaving, Ford coming in, Ford being unpopular, Carter being elected, Carter being unpopular, Reagan being elected. Like, it's just like there's so much stuff came out of this distrust yeah. in the United States. And yeah, right. Yeah. Me. Especially. Yeah. Before that, I don't think people really looked at the government as this kind of like oppressive or like antagonistic force. Yeah. I mean, I think stuff was there was like Vietnam. So like that. That right. was like growing and Nixon was just like, a, it felt like a symptom of that too. You know, it's like one more thing. And yeah. that's why people liked Carter. Cause he was like, I'm just a peanut farmer and you know, <laughs> well, um, I actually, uh, wrote about this recently too. The Texas chainsaw massacre. I had no idea was inspired by Nixon. Really? Like the era of Nixon in- oh. inspired that movie. It was partly that and partly the director wanting to mow through a crowded shopping center with a chainsaw around Christmas. But wow. Also huh. the Nixon thing. I've never seen that movie. I haven't either. Whoa. I've never seen it. <laughs> I had to whisper. So my girlfriend didn't hear me say that. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I've never seen any version of it, but... Add that to your list uh, alongside Titanic. I still haven't seen Titanic. (laughs) It's so crazy. (laughs) (laughs) We're turning the clock back to 1883 for our next event on May 24th, which was the opening of the Brooklyn Bridge. Woo! Very exciting. Have you walked across it? You've been to New York before, so... Yes, I did walk across it. Um, Nice. Yeah, my girlfriend made it, like, a very big point when we went to New York that we had to walk across the Brooklyn Brooklyn Bridge. Cool. Yeah, it's a good thing to do. Yeah, it was cool. I think I have a video of it, or she took a video, one of us took a video of us walking across, but yeah, that was, um, yeah, my first time in New York about a year ago now. Mm. Cool. Yeah, that's, it's a good bridge to walk across. Um, at the time that it opened, it was the longest suspension bridge in the world. And it was called wow. the, the Eighth Wonder of the World, which I'm not sure if it still is, but I'm well, guessing not. not. Yeah, <laughs> it is a great bridge, though. Um, I was, since we're speaking about presidents, you know, I, I learned reading about this today that President Chester A. Arthur was there, as was the governor, Grover Cleveland, who would become president wow. just two years later. Fun fact. A big deal. Grover Cleveland is the only president to have two non-consecutive terms in office. Huh. Yeah. He lost an election and then he came back and that could wow. happen again. Let's, maybe yeah. in the future, but who knows? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing about the Brooklyn Bridge is that it happens to connect to our, our cocktail du jour. It does. The Brooklyn. The Brooklyn. I, all of those New York named cocktails are very similar. I'll do the <laughs> recipe first, and then we can get into like the, the little fun fact about it. Sure. But if you're looking to make the Brooklyn at home, two ounces of rye whiskey, one ounce dry vermouth, a quarter ounce of maraschino liqueur, a quarter ounce of Amer Picon, probably butchered the name of that, uh, or just two dashes of Angostura bitters, which if you make cocktails, you probably have lying around. Mm-hmm. And then just a maraschino cherry to garnish it. Yep. Yeah. Very similar to a Manhattan Very or an old fashioned all. Yeah. But the story, a little fun fact, this cocktail was not made in Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, the guy who made it was from New Jersey. Mm. He was working at a bar in Manhattan, uh, decided to make his own cocktail, and then just so happened to be that the owner 
of the bar he worked at was a Brooklynite. Huh. So he took and so over. He named it, so he named it the Brooklyn. It's kind of funny this guy was going to, he's going to make up a new cocktail. And so he made up a cocktail that's exactly like a Manhattan. <laughs> so it's dry vermouth instead of sweet vermouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're good, but it's not that creative. Yeah. Classic cocktail history is something I'm so fascinated by. <laughs> yeah. That is interesting. I mean, I know a lot of cocktails were made during, like, Prohibition. Yeah. But I don't know if that was, like, the origin. The Brooklyn first appears in print in Jacob A. Grohusko's 1908 Jack's Manual. Hmm. And, yeah, he lived in Hoboken, New Jersey. Wow. 1908. 1908. So that's pre-Prohibition. Yeah. And it was ba- clearly based off the Manhattan. Yeah. Well, yeah, I assume so. I assume the Manhattan came second. I mean, first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then there's also the Bronx cocktail. No, oh, it's in the Bronx cocktail. Um. And is there a Staten Island cocktail and a Queens cocktail as well? A Bronx is gin, French vermouth, Baller vermouth, twist of an orange <laughs> peel, and then put it in a shaker with some ice. Hmm. Okay. And that was from, when when is that made? 1899? Oh. Wow. Just well, now I need to, Now I need to know when the Manhattan was made. Yeah. Ugh, Manhattans are so good. Oh, wait, here. Earliest known written mention of this classic trick was actually in an article in September 1882 by the Sunday Morning Herald. Hmm. Huh. I wonder what they were writing. If they were like, here's a new cocktail to try, or if it was just mentioned, like, he was drinking yeah. a Manhattan at a bar. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I'd be curious to read that article. I'm, I'm imagining that, like, old news voice, like, hey, come on down, <laughs> check out this new cocktail. It's, <laughs> it's called, called the Manhattan. Manhattan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess our final, our final historical anniversary is a big one. It is. It's uh, May 29th, 1953, when Edmund Hillary and Tenzig Norgay climbed Mount Everest successfully. Yeah. Which you just wrote about. Yeah, and you edited that one. And I edited it, so we yeah, both know so about we, it. <laughs> yeah, this one's fresh in the head. Yeah. It's a cool story, I think. I mean, obviously, the big thing is, like, they did it. They made it to the top. Right. But they almost weren't the ones to do it. Like, yeah, two other guys went up. Two days before yeah and didn't make it because they were running low on oxygen basically they were like what like 300 feet or something from the top mm-hmm. yeah they were so close they're so so close and they had to turn around and then yeah and then they got their turn hillary and norgay yeah yeah well it probably worked out better though because in this set like tenzing norgay had been on everest so many times prior and he was a sherpa and yeah he's a pro there's yeah there's something a little more poetic too about like him being one of the first two people to make it up there rather than like two british guys right yeah i thought it was really interesting you know in the decades that followed a lot of people wanted to know who was first and neither of them would ever say who was first until much much later and then norgay was like look he was like listen i wasn't like pushing hillary out of the way to get to the top (laughs) <laughs> Hillary got there first and I followed him and then we stood there together and that's what happened. Yeah. 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 Because it doesn't really matter who no. which of the two of them was first. Like, and they, and they were like, you look at photos of the two of them and they just seem so chummy with each other. Yeah. They seemed really happy. Yeah. I mean, they apparently got along really well, which is why they were selected to go up together. Yeah. It's a, a pretty amazing feat. I, it's not something I would ever want to do. Climb Mount Everest. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh God. No. Yeah. Not on my bucket list, but... I'll stick to bouldering. Yeah. Yeah, I'll stick uh, close to the ground as possible. Yeah. But no, yeah, that's that's the, that's the a nice note to end on, though. Yeah, high note, yeah. you could say. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> that's our show.
show. So yeah, if you liked this, um, if you liked our little our, our chat here today, um, you can help us out by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and then follow the all that's interesting and history revealed pages on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Real History Uncovered. And if you want to um, kind of like dive deeper into any of these stories or just read the written version of what we talked about today, that's all going to be found on all that's interesting.com. Yeah. So check it out. We've got new stuff all the time, literally every single day. Yep. That's the tagline. <laughs> <laughs> Something interesting to read every day. Every day. Guaranteed. history but hate when it's stuffy and boring well look no further and join me katie charlwood your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as i delve into unsolved historical mysteries murders by gaslight and of course women who have been misrepresented through all time on who did what now the history podcast that's not your history class listen wherever you get your podcasts